0: One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. She continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. By the way, I've always envisioned Jesus looking at the woman while he's talking to Simon. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And then, when they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them would love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. But those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go, sin. May God bless the hearing and read of the Holy Bless the Lord, help us to fall in love with you anew. Through your word proclaimed, may we encounter you, the living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I think I tell this story every Ash Wednesday, but it reminds me of um, of the people who have come before me, the people I've worked with. Um, and I was, today, as I was preparing the Ashes, I, I remembered uh, the first year we had Ash Wednesday at Media, uh, I had the pastor who had been there during the 60s, a great guy, I brought back as my parish associate, one of my staff. Um, And he wasn't so sure about this closet Catholic thing we were about to do, okay? He was being, you know, this now, Don Norquist got injured a week after D-Day in Normandy, ended up serving in Korea, okay? So Don earned whatever critique he ever had of me, all right? (laughs) But he worked around wonderful. But, you know, he went along with it, and I walked into the uh, church uh, during the day on Ash Wednesday, and literally, I thought somebody was smoking pot somewhere in the building. And uh, um, not that we encourage that. It's just, yeah, at any rate. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and I walked in the kitchen, and Don Norquist is burning palms in the sink in the kitchen. Now, the wisdom of that uh, is a whole other issue. But uh, I always saw, uh, thought that, yeah, here's somebody who wasn't sure he agreed of what I was doing or what we were doing. But uh, figured that I had probably forgotten that we needed ashes for Ash Wednesday and was helping out, which actually I had forgotten that we needed ashes for Ash Wednesday. <coughs> As I was burning the ashes today, I was thinking about the you know the, the palms from Palm Sunday, uh, and I was thinking about uh, the children, uh, you know how joyful uh, Palm Sunday always is. Uh, the music is wonderful. The children's choir is always excited. They love marching around the building and. And I was thinking about the same thing in terms of Palm Sunday. What a great celebration. Everybody's on board. Okay, we're going we're to we're we're make, make this happen, right? Jesus is the man. And yet, <coughs> five days later, he's dead. And that crowd either turned on him, maybe some of them did. Uh, some of them were afraid. But the enthusiasm did not carry the week or carry the day. And I, and I think about Lent. Now, there's a lot of different ways to approach Lent. I mean, giving up something, which is kind of the traditional. Uh, and, you know, it's the Catholic practice. Before it was Roman, it was Catholic, OK? We all were, if, unless you're from the Russian or Greek side of the church, we all were Roman Catholics until the Reformation, okay? So it's part of our tradition. And I think there's something really, there's a merit It's helpful uh, to think about denying yourself, okay? Often it might be good for your health, might be good for your pocketbook, but the whole idea of giving something up, it's not a bad idea. I'm actually, I'm doing it this year, and I'm not bragging about it. I've, I've really got a, a plan on how to be intentional about how this to focus me Focus myself more on my prayers and such. Okay. And I, I can use all the help I can get. But, okay, so so it's a nice thing to do. I've talked before, I think maybe last year's talk, I don't remember last year before, that Lent can also be a time to take something up. Today in choir or at, not choir but chapel. That's what we talked about with the preschool kids. Alright? They're gonna try every day during Lent, they're gonna get up and Lord help me be nice to somebody today. Okay. Okay and, and I bet you the four and five year olds are going to pull it off. Okay? I'm more confident about them than teachers and staff, right? <laughs> Except you. I know you're going to pull it off, Diane. I know. <laughs> right? So I think, the four, I think the four year olds got this, all right? And that's a good thing, too. Uh, Self examination. Traditionally, Lynn has been a time of self examination. Part of the series I'm going to be teaching on is, um, uh, I think, arguably, psychology is born out of the Christian tradition, a sense of a self, an inner self, an inner life, okay? And this idea of the eight bad thoughts are going to be an opportunity for us to do a little self examination. Uh, Where do the wrong thinking or bad thoughts? attitudes, practices. Where do those things come from? Okay, Some of those things are deeply seated in us. So this would be a good opportunity for self-examination. Um, but ultimately, is the goal that we learn something or that we're a little nicer? Is the ultimate goal of Lent that we don't drink Diet Coke for 40 days or give up chocolate for 40 days? Both of those things would be good for you. But is that really the ultimate goal of what we're trying to do here. And, and that's why this passage this passage always has stuck with me. Because we aren't Jesus in the passage, and most of the time we're not the sinful woman. Most of the time We're the good folks sitting around the room wondering what's going on here. Now, I'm not saying we're judgmental. No. And I think it's important. The Pharisees were people who were really vested. They were vested in pleasing God. They were the kind of people that not only came on Sunday morning, but they actually showed up for a special Wednesday night service. Right? Right? Some of them even got here early to sing with the choir. All right. All right. No, I mean, so you guys get extra credit. I, i am, I'm, 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 I've got a book in the back. I'm watching all of you. <laughs> <laughs> some, uh, by the way, all right. I'm gonna because you're here. Again, I hate Elf on the Shelf. I mean, this idea of God up there on the shelf looking at. I just don't like it. Just give it up or all right, we have our entire confirmation class. All right. But sometimes we <laughs> but sometimes it's like God's an elf on the shelf watching us, right? All right. okay. Keep your elf on the shelf. That's fine. All right. <laughs> and I think sometimes we, we look at Ash Wednesday or we look at things and say, okay, what I need to do is try a little harder here, okay? I mean, I always went this one direction with the sermon. I was thinking we, we read Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And sometimes Lent is a good time to think about cheap grace, okay? How Christians have gotten kind of lax, how we've become so accustomed to just feeling like we come to church or m- lot, most Christians don't even come to church anymore, but we got the good Lord in me or whatever. and you know I'm doing okay and some you know you, there's a temptation, particularly for people in my job, to kind of want to shake you up a little bit. Come on, We need to do better here. okay. Or the other hand is all right, everything's okay. okay? Everybody's good. God loves you. I love you. <coughs> okay, I just made God Barney. Alright, there we go. <laughs> right? Okay. Alright. All right. Let's see how many other cultural icons I can slay here in the next ten minutes. Um, but, I still think that's not... I mean, there is truth to all those things, right? We do need to, as Christians, get a little more serious. We do need to look how enculturated we are. Okay. Doesn't matter if you are uh, lean towards the left or lean towards the right. American Christianity has been totally appropriated by uh, being American, <laughs> okay? All right? And that's, that's, that's been a historical problem. It's what happened in Rome. It's what happened in England. It happens everywhere, right? And so it's good for us to periodically look critically at what we're doing in our culture and look at what the Bible says. Is there is there, is there a difference? But... See, the Pharisees, they were caring about all the stuff I just said. They were trying to get it right. Yet Jesus is having dinner with them, and they get it totally wrong. And the only person who gets it right in the room is the person with the worst reputation in town. Now, first of all, she's a woman. She wasn't supposed to be in the room. Jesus broke that rule a lot, okay? Okay. All right, you know, Christians don't always get the women's, women's issue right, but Jesus did. And in such a radical way for the first century. So, first of all, woman shouldn't have been there and there anyway. Secondly, certainly not a woman who, whatever being a sinner was, okay, we pre- it's funny, we all project. We all are sure what she did wrong. Okay. All right, we're all sure that she cheated on her taxes, right? <laughs> okay. She was the worst gossip in town. Okay, we project, right? We've already we've already figured out who she what she's done wrong. Although you're probably right what you're thinking. Okay. Not always, probably right here. <laughs> Whatever her sin was, everybody knew about it. And to make it even worse, okay, they're trying to eat dinner, okay, and she breaks this stinky thing. The whole place stinks. You know, I, I hate, you know, if I'm if I'm eating something, I don't want I don't want counter smells, okay? I enjoy the taste of everything, okay? Alright, so this stinky ointment has just messed up the chicken casserole. All right, so it's nice and horrible. And then to make it even worse, you're trying to eat, okay, and she starts messing with his feet. <laughs> right? Okay. Now I have a high tolerance for aberrant behavior, I had I four sons, and, and we, you know, it was kind of. If you ever wondered what it was like to have dinner with the Vikings, it would have been a lot like that. But, but still, okay. That's pretty. It's pretty disgusting. And and he is supposed to be a holy man. He's letting this woman, and just him letting a woman touch him, that was inappropriate. But the kind of woman, what she was doing, okay. So. These good people who are serious about their faith in God are totally disgusted. They've already they they came there to figure out what Jesus was about. They've already made up their mind. And then he confronts them. And without going into all the details, the story kind of tells itself and I would encourage you to look at it. The punchline is person who loves the most is the person who's been forgiven the most. And every man around that table, they were all men, but every person around that table, every person in this room equally needed the forgiveness that this woman asked for. But she was okay. the only one who asked for it. And the issue here ultimately isn't about repentance, So repentance is present. It's not even ultimately about being a better follower of God, although she certainly ends up being that. But the punchline is love. They missed the opportunity to love God in the flesh. They missed an opportunity to be set free with whatever was bounding them up. Okay? everyone sitting around that table just like everyone in this room we all have things we need to be set free from I can guarantee you that as much as that woman had sinned she'd been sinned against more maybe a whole corrupt society was part of why she ended up in the position she was in. Maybe even some of his own own men around the table had contributed to the state she was in. We don't know that. And so, I think Lent is an opportunity to fall in love deeper with the one who has forgiven us much. Dante, the great... Uh, Italian poet, one of the greatest poets uh, of all Western civilization. When he was nine years old, he was going to church or walking down the street, and he saw this nine-year-old girl that totally captured his heart, that first crush. And he later on said that The love he felt that day, and by the way, he never, he never, she married someone else and died young in childbirth. But he said, what I felt that day, as I got older, I willed to feel that way every day. He said, if any man would have harmed me, I would have forgiven him that day. If any beggar would have asked me, I'd have given him everything I wanted. And I determined that the love that I experienced should lead me to the one who is love itself. He said in his work, My New Life, love and the gracious heart are one thing. Isn't ultimately Lent about rediscovering the gracious heart of God? And so there's this opportunity for us to love greatly as we realize we have been forgiven greatly. There's an opportunity for us to love deeper as we allow Christ to heal the wounds and the habits that are within us. There's an opportunity for us to be a little more free from things that make us angry, things that make us bitter. As we go deeper in our own forgiveness, there might be an opportunity for us to be a little more forgiving to others as we are freed from the judgment of God and as we realize that, then we might be less likely to judge others. As we realize while we were still enemies, Christ died for us, there might be an opportunity for us to love and forgive our enemies. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Costly grace is a treasure hidden in the field for the sake of... Of it, a man will go and sell all that he has. Costly grace is the incarnation of God, which means costly grace is God becoming a human being who cared enough not only for that woman to receive her broken heart, but cared enough for those men sitting around the table to (coughs) confront them in the very things that were keeping them from the God they so desperately wanted to please. Maybe that's the great challenge and a great promise for us during Lent. That maybe we can be set free from the things that are keeping us from the deep, deep love of the God who we believe so deeply in, who we seek, who we serve, who we proclaim. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like you to think For a few minutes about what God has forgiven you, where you might need forgiveness, where you might need healing, where you've been wounded from others. Take a few moments to just be open um, to hear God's and Jesus's kind words to you.